You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. So every once in a while, a story comes along that really encapsulates what this podcast is all about. And this week's show is definitely one of those. It's with elite cyclist and coach Jill Patterson. I've interviewed Jill a few times over the years for training tips for magazines like Bicycling because A, she crushes it on a bike, especially uphill. And she's a multi-time USA Cycling Grand Fondo national champion. And B, she is meticulous. She has her training, racing, recovery, and planning down to a real science. So when I ran into her a year or two ago at a race and she was uncharacteristically down and confused, I was surprised. She said she just wasn't feeling like herself. And she thought maybe she was overtrained. Full disclosure, I did not immediately think perimenopause because Jill was maybe 40 at the time. Though, you know... Perhaps I should have. And anyway, no spoiler alerts here. She was in perimenopause. And because of this show and books like Next Level, she recognized it and got help. And I found her story so compelling, I knew I had to have her on to tell it herself. And just like the very intelligent, intentional Jill I know, she explains it all beautifully. And I'm 100% sure it's going to reach someone or a few someones and help them out too. One note before we get to it, during this conversation, Jill mentioned her doctor testing her for perimenopause. And I make a note in the conversation that there's no definitive test for perimenopause. But listening back, I note that the test she was talking about was an AMH or anti-Mullerian hormone test, which is not a definitive test per se, But research does show it's pretty good at predicting the time of menopause, so I did just want to clarify that here. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. Okay, before we get to it, as always, give us a quick follow at Feisty Menopause on Instagram and Facebook. Come on over and join our private Hit Play Not Pause Facebook group. And and head on over to feistymenopause.com and one, sign up for my weekly free newsletter, and two, check out our brand new course, Navigate Menopause, which is on sale right now. We have worked super duper hard to put together a course that will walk you through everything, your mindset, your emotions, your symptoms, your training, your nutrition, I mean everything, and help you navigate from where you are and what you're feeling so you can perform and feel your very best. I'm super proud of it. It's called Navigate Menopause. Go on over to feistymenopause.com and check that out today. All right, enough of me. Let's have a few words about our awesome sponsors and get on with the show. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched-chain amino acids, plus even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. 
I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice-cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. All right. Well, Jill, it was really great to hear from you when you reached out. Um, because the last time I heard from you, you weren't feeling as as maybe hopeful or as good as you seem to sound before I hit record just a few seconds ago. And I want to just start off sort of with like you reached out to me to give you this update and you said you were not feeling yourself. You felt burnt out. Your power was dropping. Rides were getting harder. And no matter what you tried, you felt like you were just continuing to lose fitness and you thought it might be like overtraining or whatever. So what take me to that spot? Like when you were talking to me that you weren't feeling yourself, like what was going on? So I just physically, my power was dropping. I couldn't put out the numbers that I could put out before. And and I know my numbers very well for years. I've been training with power. So I know what I can hold for certain durations and I suddenly couldn't hold that. And then also mentally, I was just honestly not really enjoying cycling the way I used to do it. And it all kind of interweaves. And I think one kind of affected the other, you know, seeing that drop in power kind of hit me mentally. And then that maybe caused a little bit of less self-confidence, which also affected the power, you know, this, this feedback loop. Um, but yeah, I just did not feel myself for quite a while. And uh, I didn't really know what was going on. But you were doing, was this sort of in training? What what season are we in? Because you've done quite well. I mean, I know I've seen your results. Like where where does this come in where all of a sudden you're like, 
something is amiss. Yeah, so I started feeling it about two years ago. Um, I can actually tell you in a little bit exactly when it started really hitting me. But I would say uh, the summer of 2022, I had a really good summer. Um, but I was also starting to, to feel a little tired here and there, uh, sort of more unpredictable in my power outputs. You know, I, I still had great days, but I had a lot of bad days, too. And to get those good days, I felt like I was struggling more. And then at the end of the year, I kind of took a couple weeks off. And then when I came back to the bike, that's when everything just sort of disintegrated. Like I, I thought at first, okay, I took several weeks off and I'm coming back and I just have to be patient. It'll I'll get it all back. But after, you know, two, three, four weeks of training, like it just never started coming back. So about almost a year ago was when it really started hitting me. And then uh, this past year, I actually, because of all that, I, I just kind of took it off from racing. I, you know, I was still doing group rides here and there. I was still riding, but I was sort of in this almost state of being lost of who am I as an athlete? I don't know my body anymore. I don't know myself. Can I race? Do I want to race? And then I started feeling better right towards the end of this year, um, started racing finally again. So I, I basically took almost the whole year off of racing. And uh, really, it was only about two months ago that like things really started to, to go on the upswing. And we'll talk about the reasons why, like I know why. And uh, so I'm actually last year, this time I was feeling very lost and like, don't want to race, don't know what my season's going to look like next year. This time I'm feeling the exact opposite. I'm feeling hopeful. I'm feeling like I can get stronger. I want to race. So it's a very different mental and physical state that I'm in right now. So let's go to that journey. What, what were you, did you just feel like you were overtrained or that you, I mean, did you investigate what were you investigating to figure out like what was going on with you? So, you know, I am 42 and I know that, you know, I'm not going to be riding as strong as I was when I was younger. So I've always known that I was going to have that change. And I thought it would sort of come gradually over time. And I just thought, oh, well, maybe my time's a little early and it came on fast. <laughs> <laughs> and and maybe I just need to accept the new me as an athlete. So I didn't really think it was perimenopause because honestly, I thought perimenopause was something that happened your your mid to late forties. And um, I also do haven't gotten a period in so many years, probably over ten years, uh, for various reasons. The most recent was an IUD, so I never had that as a marker. So I didn't have these biological markers to kind of like guide me along in the process. Nothing really telling me and because it sort of I had this assumption that it was something that would hit later in life I did not equate all these symptoms with perimenopause did it even cross your mind it only crossed my mind when I started talking to my sister and actually when your book came out that that those two things happened almost at the same time and that's what finally clued me in and that was actually uh about a year ago yeah, I would say it was around right when I was starting to feel really pretty awful. You know, a couple months later is when it it dawned on me what it might be. And then I started uh, taking steps to kind of alleviate that. What triggered that conversation with your sister? Because it's not necessarily like you go like, hey, let's talk perimenopause. You know, like what was that conversation? Yeah, so 
my sister and I were, were relatively close and uh, I knew that she had struggled with a lot of things in her mid thirties, starting in her mid thirties, but we did not know it was perimenopause for her. So just a little background. She is, when she, she's four years older than me. When she was 43, she was diagnosed officially as being postmenopausal, which is super early. And she, I asked her, uh, by the way, I did ask her, can I tell your story on this podcast? And she said, yes, please do. So she brought it up when she had, after she had gone to the gynecologist and had gotten diagnosed and was starting on a treatment plan to kind of stabilize her. And, you know, because she was feeling better, that's what she was saying. Hey, like I'm, I'm feeling better. All these things in my thirties, you know, it's sort of making sense why I had this joint pain. I had this exhaustion. I had the mood swings. Like I, and she was actually really upset. And, and I think that's part of the reason we had this conversation because she was like, I lost so many years of my life because I thought these were all disjointed symptoms of different things and, and had the doctors, you know, I went to several different doctors and different disciplines and no one told me, oh, this could be perimenopause. And, and she was actually really upset that only one doctor had mentioned, oh, this could be perimenopause, but then they didn't say anything else. They didn't say, oh, there are treatment thing like plans. There are ways to alleviate these or we could test, you know, so it was, she felt like the medical system had really failed her. And I think that's what was sparking this conversation. She was just really upset about it. And thank goodness we did talk about it because she was one of the inspirations for me seeking treatment and testing. And she kind of guided me because of the failures that she met in so many ways along the way. She guided me to, in ways like, how can I avoid those failures of the medical system? So my process of seeking treatment was actually quite good and flawless. And, and I'm very happy with my doctors, but that's also because I had the background of her story to help prevent a lot of things. And we really need to dig into that because a lot of women don't have that experience. And I hear it every day. I hear it constantly, especially women who are younger, like yourself. Mm-hmm. Many, many, many times they go even to a menopause trained certified physician and they are you know experiencing like maybe what you're experiencing like well my power's down or and if they even know what that means you know or like i have aches and pains and they're just like they they still won't go to perimenopause necessarily or they They'll be like, well, you know, it could be, but they don't do a hormonal route because you're too young. Are you still, you know, you're not post-menopause. So tell me, like, where did you find your doctor? Like, what did that appointment look like? Um, Just talk us through that a bit. So I did not go to a primary care physician right away. Like, I did not, you know, my insurance, uh, I didn't need to do that. So I went straight to a gynecologist. And uh, that's one thing my sister told me for sure, you know, primary care doctors are not necessarily the ones you want to go to first, like they're, they might not give you the answers that you're seeking. And I saw that actually, because I'm a coach, I, I do coach several athletes who are dealing with similar symptoms. And at the same time I was going through all this, another one of my athletes was going through it, but with like severe symptoms. I mean, to the point where she would take three hour naps every day, exhaustion, um, 
dizziness, nausea, just like really bad. And and I knew when she told me the day she was like, yeah, I had a really heavy period today. I was like, oh, perimenopause, you, you must go to the doctor. So she went to her primary care physician and his answer to her was, well, if you're not having hot flashes that are disrupting your life, there's really nothing to do. And so she told me that. And I was like, no, like we had already done the blood test. We tested for COVID. Like there were, you know, we kind of were like, we eliminated all other possibilities. And I was like, do not take that as an answer. Go to a gynecologist. She went to a gynecologist, got treatment. So when I went to my gynecologist, honestly, I did not search around. I found the one that had the most availability when I wanted it. And closest to me accepted my insurance. So I really didn't know what I was walking into. I, I didn't even have like a, a primary gynecologist I've been going to. I lucked out. She was amazing. I went in there prepared to say, I have hot flashes. <laughs> <laughs> but I also, I didn't want to, and actually in retrospect, I was getting hot flashes. Uh, I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't think that was a symptom I had. My main concern was my power was dropping. I didn't feel good on the bike. This is my livelihood. I'm a coach. I'm an athlete. I compete at the highest level. Let's see. Can you help me? Um, so I explained all that, ready to pull out the whole, oh, I'm having hot flashes. Before I even got to it, because she heard of my sister's history, how mm -hmm. at 43, she, super early, my mom, I think, was like 48 when she went through it completely. She was like, yeah, sounds like you're probably in perimenopause. Would you like to start hormones? I mean, she just offered. I didn't say it. I didn't say hot flashes. Just told her my family history and how I've been feeling. She was like, we'll test you. And but in the meantime, why don't you just start with the estradiol? And I was like, wow, yes, great. So I walked out that day with the, the pills and I started them like that day. And then she tested me. So she did a blood test and a week later, I got the first test back, which I thought was the only test. And that was for progesterone and estrogen. And it showed basically I have those hormones in me. So I'm not postmenopausal. And at the time I still questioned, am I really perimenopausal? Like, am I imagining all these symptoms? Like it was a real, it, it was kind of messing with my mind, you know, for a lot of the past year, I thought maybe I'm just like getting mentally weak. Maybe I'm not trying as hard, maybe just life transitions, you know, so many variables. So I was really doubting it. And when I got that first test saying, yeah, really inconclusive, don't know, it was sort of like a hit to me. I was like, well, is this going to help? Are these meds really what I need? Like, is this really the problem? And I was, I was kind of down. And then three days later, I get a second test notice. And I'm like, what's the second test? I didn't know she was doing a second test. And those levels were very low. And she was like, yeah, based on this, 100%, you're, you're perimenopausal, definitely. And um, I believe that was the AMH test. Uh, I actually don't have that record, the, the portal changed. So that's temporarily lost, but I believe it was. So that was honestly like to hear that, that there was a way they could diagnose it and say, yes, you are. And this is not all in your imagination. It was amazing. So she was a great gynecologist. Yeah. And I, I just, I need to insert a little bit there because that's why there's no definitive test for perimenopause. Like there, it's a clinical diagnosis because the levels change 
just as you saw, they can be one place, one, you could have gone two hours later and had a very different result because the hormones start just fluctuating wildly. And that's what's making you feel what you're feeling. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. at some point down the line, they can do tests of all, you know, whole panel and be like, yeah, you know, everything is pretty much what you would look at for post-menopause. But the perimenopausal period, every woman wants a diagnostic test, you know, because of course we do, but they, it, it is a clinical diagnosis where they kind of like, we listen to you. They look at a lot of things, they rule out things. And then, so you can, I, I only say that because women do this. They like you, you're so accomplished, intelligent, all the things. And you still sit there and go like, Oh, maybe I'm just this. And you're not, you know, like it's, it's, you don't need to question yourself, you know? Yeah. 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 So that was actually a big, not just the physical, seeing my power drop and struggling and just feeling harder efforts felt harder. A lot of this was a big mental struggle for the past two years. I went through a lot of mental stuff. And just about two months ago, I feel like I've really stabilized. And one, yes, I've worked through it all. You know, like I've done a lot of soul searching and, and <laughs> to, to new, you know, decisions and choices about my life. And, and I'm very happy with where I am now in those choices. But also I think just hormonally, I've settled down. I'm very stable now. Like I just feel kind of very predictable in so many ways, just content. And that's what it, that's what it's for. That is exactly what the, that low dose of hormones is just to even out the ride, if you will. It's just, a, and that's, that's the point. And it's great that you're, you're feeling that. So t- talk a little bit. So you are, you have an IUD. So she only put you on, um, you're taking oral Yes, I'm taking estradiol one milligram. And we did not have to experiment with the dose. She just started me with that. Uh, It's interesting because my sister told me a range of doses that she was told is normal, like 0.5 to 1. I was told 1 to 2 is the normal range. And then the athlete I coach was told like 2 to 4 is the normal range for the dosage. So three different doctors kind of said, oh, these are the normal dosages. So I I started with one. I didn't change it, just stuck with it. Seems to be good for me. The athlete that I coach, her symptoms were much more severe. So she actually did have to experiment a bit with her dosage. And even when she took it, morning versus night. Uh, but, you know, she figured it out. So um, I was very lucky in that. Mm-hmm. I didn't figure much stuff out. Yeah, there's often a trial and error period. Um you know, some people feel more nauseous. They have other mood, you know, I mean, that you, that it's great to hear. I mean, that you got pretty fortunate out of the gate, you know, that you didn't have to to play around with those dosages. And that is a very individual, that's a whole other podcast. Members. But the bottom line is like, it is a definitely a trial and error period. And it depends like, are you using a patch or using the pills or use it? Like, what are you using? There's so many different formulations, but how long did it take for you to start? Like talk about when you started and then like the evolution of your training and like how you started to feel like yourself again. Okay. Um, so I started taking the medicine, I believe the first of May of this past year. And I would say not, not much changed for the first couple of months, but the doctor had told me it takes about three months to, to really start feeling it and to check back in in three months. And by month three, yeah, like I was starting to feel a little bit better. Um, nothing huge, uh, but checked back in with the doctor, all was going well. So continued with the treatment. And then actually month five 
interestingly, it, it really hit me. I would say that's exactly when like everything kind of settled in. And um, I started feeling like before I felt like my muscles were just wasting away. I, you know, I've done the, the same type of riding, the same type of training for, you know, five years or so. And it, I was always at a certain baseline, whether, you know, I, I was training really high, I would go higher than that. And then when I backed off on the training, I'd, I'd revert back to this baseline, but I was slipping below that baseline, still doing the same thing. So I felt like literally my muscles were wasting away. And I was even going to the gym, you know, doing strength training, I was doing hard rides, still muscles were not firing like they used to. And about month five, of the treatment is I felt my muscles were starting to get stronger. Like they were responding a lot better to strength training. And I literally felt stronger. Um, so that, that is one thing that I felt. And then interestingly, right around month five, I had this week period where I was just extremely emotional for like three days. I had a small trigger of, of something, you know, like it, which normally would make me a little upset, a little sad, but I was like, so down. I mean, I've never been that down. I for three days, I would wake up feeling like on the verge of tears. And I was like, what is going on? Why am I overreacting to this? Again, I didn't think it was hormonal. And I just thought, you know, this is a hard thing. I have to get through it. It's going to take me a while. Like I knew I'd get through it. I just thought, okay, this is going to be a long process, you know, take several weeks. Day three, still feeling horrible day four wake up totally fine that has never happened to me like everything was gone i felt totally at peace everything that had been bothering me it was still there but it was like i could mentally handle it i was like okay it's not so bad and that was the day where everything really started changing hmm. and i actually like a couple days later i got my period for the first time in i don't know how many years wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's happened now. I've gone my period two months in a row, <laughs> which is incredible <laughs> because I haven't had a period in like 10 years. And now I've had two of them and they've been very monthly apart. And I've even had like pimples and PMS -y things. So I feel like something was happening in my body. And, and then it was like, okay, we're back on this like monthly schedule. Even my HRV, interestingly, spiked and then gradually went down. Like it's just so fascinating. But then physically on the bike, ever since then, I feel like I did three, four years ago where I have that baseline again. Even if I go into a ride tired, I can still perform. I can still come back. You know, I'm, I'm tired, but I still have some strength and I have some repeatability. Whereas for the past year, I did not have that repeatability. I did not have that strength. Mentally, my mind would scream at me. No, don't do this. Stop, stop, stop. Now my mind is not screaming at me anymore. Like it's fun again. Like I push hard and it feels good. You know, for the past year, up until the two months ago, when I pushed hard, it didn't feel good. Like there was just this little nagging voice and that voice had gotten louder and louder over the past two years. That voice was something that was like kind of marking this process of perimenopause. And it was turning into a screaming voice like a year ago. And now that screaming voice is gone. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really great to hear. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. 
They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tofosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like Feisty Menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching, and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two-minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support and the cooling feature is everything. As someone who turned into a furnace every evening before menopause, I appreciate that the otter is stuffed with shredded gel-infused memory foam, which instead of trapping heat from my neck and head, draws it away and dissipates it. It's truly delightful. I'm a good sleeper, and otter has taken it to the next level with both support and cooling. Put my head down, good night, Irene. My aura ring confirms what little tossing and turning I was doing is gone. The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash hit play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code hit play all caps one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. Did you also have you had mentioned like I just wanted to circle back. Did you have aches and pains too? Did you have joint pain yes. too? You did. Oh yeah. So interestingly, <laughs> I I think it really started happening when I turned 40. Exactly when I turned 40. And the reason I say that is because I have a friend, he's about a year older than me. And when he turned 40, a couple months later, he told me he was like, you know, I kind of feel old. Like I turned 40 and I feel old. And I actually made fun of him at the time. I was like, oh, you don't just turn 40 and get old overnight. And I thought it was a ridiculous thing. Then I turned 40. Lo and behold, a couple months later, I was like, oh, my gosh, I kind of feel old. Like my joints started hurting. Yoga got a little bit harder, less flexibility. You know, standing up from a sitting on the floor was a little bit harder. <laughs> I was like, wow, I really did turn old overnight. And so, yeah, that joint pain just kept getting more and more. And last year, basically like every ride, I I had this weird hip hamstring pain that was just, it wasn't like disruptive. It wasn't an injury. Honestly, I didn't know what it was. I just never had it before, but it was hanging around, didn't disrupt my training. Um, And that is gone now, completely gone. 
So I, I, I think it coincides with the hormones taking the hormone replacement therapy, but also I did start doing more strength training about four months ago. And I think that's really helping. Like, I think I normally the, the heavier weights, I historically have not done during the summer months because I'm so busy biking. Like I don't have time and, and I don't have the energy for it. It just tires me out so much, but I decided four months ago, I, I need to, my body's changing. Like I need to do these weights year round. So I started that again. And I think that's been super helpful. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I mean, it's, and I'm sure you know this and everybody knows this. It's not like the hormone therapy has, has definitely brought you back to this place and you still have to do the work that you'll, you'll need to do as a master's athlete. Right. I mean, like those two things works in, in symbiosis together. Um, What, what does it look like going forward? Like, how do you feel um, about the season to come and have you, have you adapted your, you know, your training or your practices in any other ways as you've been through this process? Yeah. So the training, so for this past year, when it got really bad, I I really didn't have a path forward because I didn't know what my baseline was. And if you don't know your baseline, how can you really build on it? Um, so now I feel like I do have a baseline. Honestly, I don't know what that baseline is but I can tell I do finally have it again because it's only been two months where I really felt stable. And it's also been that transitional period where you're not really doing structured workouts quite yet. So it's been a lot of free riding and fun riding right now, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling strong. So the next path forward would be figure out what that baseline is, which I'm, I'm going to do fairly soon because I'm moving more into indoor training. So, you know, like figure out the intervals I can do build on that. Um, and so start the structure training again, start with the heavy weights. I'm in, you know, I'm back in the gym, excited for that. Um, definitely have adjusted my training from the past, you know, compared to three years ago, uh, I prioritize mm, sleep a lot more, trying to eat more protein, trying to like really focus on diet recovery. Like that's all super important overall potentially biking less than I used to, you know, like if I'm tired, I just take the day off. Like a couple of weeks ago, I took three, four days off the bike fine with it because my body was tired. So really understanding that I will still respond to intensity and hard training, but you know, I don't need to do it as much perhaps like I can do maybe less of it and still get the same benefits. Yeah. You don't need to drown yourself in volume, you know, at the, at the, at the same place. And I feel like I feel like a lot of times athletes like yourself, many people, my myself, people I talk to, they have a lifelong base, right? I mean, you have all these miles in your legs and it, at some point you don't need to keep stacking them on the same way. You need to be attending to those other things like you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, honestly, I do a lot of group rides in this area because there's so many group rides here and they're really high level and they do yeah. help my training. So you know, I might do a little bit less structure than some other people. Uh, so figuring out how to divvy up those group rides within the week with structured training, choosing the group rides I do very carefully because there are certain group rides I don't want to do because they're just going to be 
too much, too hard, you know? And then there's certain, you know, it's the group ride that tears you down versus the group ride that props you up. So you need to choose the ones that prop you up. So that will also continue to be a part of my training. And what does your recovery process look like? A lot of sleep. I don't take naps typically just because I'm feeling good. Like I don't need to, uh, but I do sleep at least eight hours per night more if I can. Uh, I try to get protein in throughout the day. I try to eat carbs like right after a workout, you know, get some protein and carbs, really prioritize that. Uh, relax, stay off my feet. Um, yeah, like Epsom salt baths every so often. I just started that up again. I use the recovery boots. Uh, I like yoga and stretching. Um, I go through periods where I have massages and then periods where I don't, but. Yep. So you never had trouble sleeping. It sounds like. So I think I was right about to go into that zone of having trouble sleeping when I started the pills. I think it was, I was noticing my sleep was getting a little bit more disrupted and light and having trouble falling asleep for about a month before I went to the gynecologist. And then those symptoms cleared up fairly quickly. Very cool. And you mentioned that you didn't think you were having hot flashes, but you were having hot flashes. Yeah. So for the past (laughs) few years, I just thought I was a very sweaty person. (laughs) 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 Because, you know, I, I feel kind of silly saying like I was having hot flashes and I didn't realize it, but I, you know, in summer I would have to live in quick dry clothing because I would just like sweat through normal clothes. And I just thought that's who I am. When I did bike rides, I would be sweating far more than everybody else. I'd get off my bike sometimes. And there was like a puddle underneath me of sweat and like no one else was sweating that much. It was very embarrassing, but I just thought, Oh, that's me. You know, what can you do? I even went to a doctor for um, hyperhidrosis, essentially. I was like, I sweat so much when I didn't unbound. I had to carry twice as much water as all the other women. I was looking at them and they had two bottles on their bike and no camelback. And I had a camelback and two bottles and was still running out of water. And I, I think, you know, my salts were probably a little bit off too. So that had something to do with it. But I was still, I was like, man what is wrong with my body? And and I actually got to the point of like, I cannot be a long distance endurance athlete because my body, I can't carry that much water because I'm just sweating it all out. So I went to a doctor to see if there was something I could do to address, you know, sweating so much. And of course, perimenopause was not on the radar that never mentioned. And um, so the only reason why I realize now that it was probably I was just living in a bunch of hot flashes is because two three months ago I'm not really sweating and even this summer is the most comfortable summer I've had in years I could actually wear normal clothing um and I wasn't sweating through it I'm just much less sweaty now that's so interesting yeah I mean it's you might not have necessarily been in a perpetual hot flash but it does mess with your thermal regulation you know like that's why you get the hot flashes so it makes it makes sense when you put those things together, but it's and the night sweats too. You know, I just thought, oh, everyone sweats at night and has to like change their shirt sometimes in the middle of the night. Well, no, I haven't had to change my shirt in the middle <laughs> of the night for several months. <laughs> that is that's really, I mean, it's also great to hear, and I'm so glad that you 
you know, you did reach out because I, I've had a number of women on the show now recently, you know, Sasha Golish was just on and she's just 41 or 42 too, you know, and it's, uh, I think it's really important for people to hear these conversations and to hear that, yes, you can get help. And if your doctor isn't hearing you or listening to you, I strenuously encourage people to find a person who will. Yes, yes. And also realize that all these symptoms that are seem disjointed mm. could all be related. I think I had a lot of symptoms and I just viewed them as separate, like very dry skin, you know, a patch on my palm that just wasn't clearing up for years. Two months ago, done, like cleared, healed. So it's like all these un seemingly unrelated things were related. Yeah. I mean, and you mentioned like a lot of them that come up that don't necessarily like unless you have the hallmark, like that, you know, that you're having a hot flash, but the the skin, the the moods, the loss of mojo, the joints, like all of that stuff. You know, when you look at the 36 or whatever it is, symptoms of uh, changing hormones, you know, in the menopause transition, all of those are on the list. But for yeah. some reason that we're still not in the place and it's going to take a while because, you know, menopause education has not been good in the medical school. So you've got generations of doctors who just haven't been trained in it. Even, even OB gens, you know, even like you got very fortunate with a great one right out of the gate. But I, I know, you know, we have people on our staff who have been to menopause certified OB gens and still like, you know, it's still not the message hasn't gotten through. So it is really important to advocate for yourself, especially in this period where awareness just hasn't caught up to where we're at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was very lucky and fortunate because one, I just happened to find a very good doctor, but also I, you know, my sister in, in your yeah. book, you know, thank you for that. Like, it's just had those two resources not been out there. I likely never would have realized and never would have sought any kind of treatment for anything. And, and honestly, when I sought treatment, it was really just for my training. You know, I was watching my power numbers go down and that was what was upsetting me and all the other symptoms. I just thought they were like, this is life. And I didn't realize how much they, they were kind of bothering me until they all went away. And I'm like, Oh, wow. It's nice to not have those things too. So I really did benefit in ways that I wasn't even expecting. That's great to hear. Well, I am really glad that you reached out. Um, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to make sure that women heard? Um, I would say, you know, it can be difficult to to realize what's happening. The athlete I coach, it was very obvious. Her symptoms were extreme. My symptoms were not extreme. They kind of snuck up on me. And I would say the two things that really triggered me in my training of something's up was one unpredictability that that happened first the physical unpredictability usually i knew exactly what watts i could hold for a certain duration doing a, you know a certain thing and if i was in relatively good condition i could hit that you know there were of course days where you know, i lacked sleep or you know I, I was tired from the day before my numbers would be off but i could always find the reason and then i started to get much more unpredictable i couldn't hit those numbers and i couldn't find a reason so that was kind of the first clue and that would happen every so often but then those days increased and there were more and more bad days and then it seemed to be like the majority of my days were more off than in on so the balance really switched 
between the good and the bad, where the good were outweighing the bad, it switched to the bad were outweighing the good. So that's one thing. And then mentally, what was happening was I, I had a lot of mental fortitude throughout my cycling career and doing a hard interval, like I would just go like a robot until I finished. And then right around when that unpredictability in my physical started happening, also mentally, I would have these little blips of like, oh, I'm tired. I want to take a break in the middle of an interval, which never happened before. It didn't bother me at first. And so I'd like take a five second, you know, okay, catch a breather. And then I'd start up again. And that would happen maybe once during a ride. But then it started happening more. It would happen like two or three times during a ride. This little mental blip of, oh, this is hard. Like, I want to take a break. And I was always able to like force myself through and just kind of like take a really short break and get back at it. But then it, I wasn't able, it, it got harder and harder. And I would start to argue with myself internally, like, oh, I'm really tired. Take a break. And then I'd be like, no, but then I'd be like, yes, no, yes. And and then the break would turn into a longer break. And, and then it, it got to the point where I would just give up, you know, and I'd never given up before. And I started giving up more and more and more because my mind was just screaming at me to give up. So these were both physical and mental evidence of what was happening. And that was going on for a good two years. And had I tr known of this before, I think I probably would have researched earlier or thought earlier, maybe I'm in perimenopause and maybe gotten help earlier. So I would say for women, my message is, is pay attention to the what your mind is telling you. If your motivation is changing, that could be a sign. And I've seen it in the athletes I coach too, actually. Um, to me, it was a whole new thing to like not want to push hard. That was so foreign to me. And I was like, maybe I'm just mentally weak. Like yeah, it was really hurting my self-esteem. And then the athlete that I mentioned, again, I got her permission to tell her story. She's very happy to share it. She She's done Ultraman. She knows mental fortitude. <laughs> like she does not stop. She does not give up. And she told me right around the time we were talking perimenopause, she's like, you know, when I push hard, I don't even want to push hard anymore. It doesn't even feel good. Like, and it was foreign to her too. And she was shocked also, like what is going on with her mind? And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, this could be a, a sign. Like, you know, it's not just physical, but totally mental. And this could be a, a factor of perimenopause. And so I also forgave myself in that moment. I was like, you know what, maybe this is hormonal. And it's not like a weakness of my mind. Like it's literally my body is sensing something is different. And maybe my body just cannot push right now. And it's telling me that. Well, and the, again, a whole other podcast, but the, the brain physically changes too. you know, the serotonin system, is affected the glu glucose metabolism is affected like all of that is affected and if all that's affected in your brain it's going to have those knock-on consequences that you're talking about so i mean when you when you put all of these puzzle pieces together they make this picture that you're painting yeah 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 it's it's very interesting to me too as much as it sucked while i was in it, thinking <laughs> back on it like it's it's fascinating to see these changes um, you learn a lot about yourself as a person going through something like this. And, the, and honestly, a lot of it, I'm not learning it in the moment because I'm not even realizing what's happening. It's in retrospect that I'm learning so many things. Yes, it is. it sucks that you went through that. But it's also, 
you know, there is something that you have gained going through this process, you know, and you, you mentioned like some self-examination and some other stuff that, you know, that's not for naught. I mean, I'm not, I, I do wish that you had gotten, you know, you felt better earlier, but you also have gained, um, you know, some residual benefits, I guess. For sure. For sure. And also anything I go through, any struggle as an athlete, I go through as a coach that helps me immensely. Because like it relate to what my athletes are telling me, it, it just adds to my repertoire. So it makes me a more versatile coach. So honestly, I would, if I could, if you gave me the choice, would you go back and take all this away? No way. I, I'm glad I went through it. As I said, you know, my symptoms were, I think, pretty mild compared to a lot of other women. So, you know, I'm glad I had a taste of it because ultimately, yeah, I, I've learned a lot and I'll come out stronger for it and I can help other women too. That's a great place to end this. Thank you, Jill, for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that's our show. Join me next week when I sit down with intuitive eating coach Pam Moore, and we talk all about how athletes can use intuitive eating to ditch rigid diets and food rules for good. So come on back for that one. And until then, as always, Stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause. And please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends. And please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening. And as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.